Let's do this. Foul territory live on a Tuesday. Braun, Kratz, Krasinski, and Jason Kipnis is back. Wearing the ASU shirt. I think that is perfectly planned for your former sure coach was. coming on soon. Got to. Absolutely representing today. We are well represented here. Yes. Pat Murphy is joining us, bench coach for the Milwaukee Brewers for a while now and quite the character. So I think you'll enjoy it. Also, Zach Buchanan of The Athletic to talk about the Sizzlin' Diamondbacks. And he's got a story that he put out in the last 24 hours about Madison Bumgarner, who was let go by Arizona. He's got more insight there. Pretty, pretty spicy. And then Gavin Sheets, White Sox slugger, joining us to give away the clank ball. It's over. Right That's here. it. Say bye. Kiss it goodbye. Goodbye, Clank Ball. Oh, I want to keep you forever. <laughs> Signed by Pierzynski and Lance Lane. If you've been snoozing, you can enter the giveaway, but you're running out of time as we'll announce a winner in, I don't know, like an hour from now. So yeah, we hurry also, up. You got like 25 minutes. Yeah. So make it snappy. Also, just I haven't said it in a little bit, but merch, foulterritoryshop.com if you want to check that out. And I've didn't get to this yesterday. I want to try and make this more of a regular thing because you're hitting ballparks almost every week. The food stuff is one thing. You can check AJ's Twitter, but you got a little run-in with Spencer Strider and Rick Kranitz. <laughs> well, run-in wasn't exactly the I word know. I would use, but uh, yeah, if you guys, if, I know Kratz knows this, but Kip, I've been trying to, to get the, everyone talks about Strider and how his stuff is just different, right? Like it's just different. So I was like, screw this. I want to stand in when he throws a bullpen. And so this week I was in Atlanta, and guess who was throwing a bullpen? Spencer Strider. <laughs> guess who didn't get to step in, though? Me. Damn it. Uh, they let me watch his bullpen from behind, and uh, I was – I mean, I was two feet away from him, and he was throwing cheese. How's the fastball look? Because that's, I mean, that's what this led to. Yes. So Is uh, it different? It, it sounded different coming out of his hand. Does it look different? I don't know. You can't tell unless you actually get in there. But I asked him. I said – can I stand in next time? He said, sure. Just make sure you're wearing protection. And I said, okay. And I said, a lot of people threw at me and hit me. I'll be okay. And then, so we went down and asked Snit afterwards and Snit said, I said, Hey, can I stand in for Strider's bullpen? If next time I do a game, he's throwing. He goes, yeah, as long as it's okay, I tell him to hit you. And I was like, I would expect nothing less. <laughs> so, you know, Spencer, I'm coming for you. Do it. Do it. I need to do say it. that. And yeah. when you do that, when you do that, I'm going to get a video back in the day of somebody standing in against one of Roy Halladay's bullpens. Famous, famous fisherman, if you know your fisherman. But anyway, anyway, once you do it, I'll, I'll release the video. And the video is epic. You won't even believe what happened. But it's a teaser. Wow, that is an ultimate teaser. Well, yeah, I mean, we now we want to see the right video. Since yeah, exactly. The chances of it happening, of it lining up is going to be tough. Interns behind the scenes are Fox will do right Fox now. will do Braves games all the time. Yeah, the Braves games are fine. It's the it's, can I get Spencer Strider to be throwing a bullpen the day I'm there? Do you still have your big elbow guard that you would stick out there when it's 0-2 bases loaded in a nine-two <laughs> game? No, I don't think I do actually. You don't you didn't keep that? No, I well, used the same one for so many years. I think it rotted. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get Tyrus on it. They'll send us something. So before we get into charge the mound. I want to clap back at a fan base, and also I'd like Kip to congratulate um, Mets fans for being a part of getting this team going a little bit. Way to go, right? Mets fans. We did it. We, we <laughs> rallied. We're the reason they turned this thing around. Uh, it's weird that there's uh, some blame and other stuff to go around when you're losing, and there's some credit to go around when the team is winning, and they have turned it around. They are playing great. They're playing awesome right now. Yeah, that's fans. We did it. Great job together. You, you, you together. can check out the, the tweets. You guys together, just <laughs> back and forth, being friends, motivating <laughs> yeah. the squad. Because, you know, yeah. Kip, like when you played, all you did, right, was sit on social media and be like, oh, this, this fan base is pissed or calling me out or, or whatever. So I'm going to play better now. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, we didn't we didn't think we had to play well until someone called us out. That's what really motivated <laughs> us to start playing better. We just were waiting for someone to uh, mf us on Twitter or online. I think that's and it finally happened. So we did it, guys. Good job, guys everyone. Playing good baseball. Good yeah. job, everyone. Cheers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I who's also, your who's your fan base? Well, so and, and sarcasm, okay, for for New York Post or anyone that quotes us all the time. So my fan base that motivates me to be a better broadcaster 
because clearly, I, you know, I don't watch games. I'm not very enthusiastic. I don't really like to talk about baseball. The Angels fan base. I only set up the question yesterday, and we do talk about the Angels quite a bit. They happen to have, what, two of the best players in the biz. And Cody Decker was on with us yesterday, and, and he dunked on the organization pretty well, just saying, like, it's going to be a rough Yeah, he went Vince Carter and dunked all over him. Yeah, he did. But I thought it was the kind of rant that would rally Angels fans, but most of them are super defensive about the team, and they absolutely went after him last night. And I was texting with him afterward, cracking up, because all he did was say, like, hey, this team's got to, like, put up or shut up, go all in at the trade deadline. He throws a name out there, Tim Anderson, and that was it. That set them off. How dare you? They're like, Tim Anderson's not good. Have you heard of Neto? You haven't even watched any games. The rookie who's been in the leagues for five seconds. Also, as if you can't acquire Anderson and put one at second and one at short. And they're like, all we need is like maybe a six starter and maybe a reliever. I'm like, these people are delirious. Maybe and also, Chris, why maybe are you defending? Why are you defending your ownership and your team? You've done nothing for 10 years. You haven't made the playoffs since Mike Trout was a baby. How are they this this pissed off at somebody who is a, an actual Angels fan and was telling us that it's been a lot of heartbreak for him, right? I mean, Zach Neto, yeah, he looks like he's going to be a good player. His OPS is in the 600s. Like, relax. They're acting like the dude is, is <laughs> the second coming of Trout right now. I, I was just having an absolute time. He's a 689 OPS. Jury is a 717 OPS, and they're like, ha, ah, see, picked the wrong day to do that. What, you won 2-1 on a bullpen day against the Red Sox? I just <laughs> – I was dying. So here's what you guys need to understand. You guys need – you and Kip, you guys need to be more like me and just not say anything. And that way no fans ever get on you. Just sit there and – Fans just, get on you. You just don't respond. I just don't <laughs> give a shit. I don't give a shit either. <laughs> I don't give a shit at all. I think this – the for me, like, I mean, people come after me all the time on socials, and – the sensitivity level of an Angels fan to be so heavily backing your team and defending what the roster looks like. Do you really think the current roster is going to win a World Series? I'll take an Angels fan over the sensitivity of a New Yorker on Twitter. Uh, Yeah, that was surprising to me too. For a Mets fan, like you're same thing, you know, and I grew up in the area and when I was younger, I was a Mets fan. And I mean, same thing on their end, like relax a little bit that this is not, the best Easy. team in baseball right now, you know? Hey, you guys got them hot, though. Could be. Got the roster. Could Just be. think at the end of they the year. They could be. Angels, no. <laughs> Just think at the Correct. end of the year, though, if the Mets go on to win the World Series, we can point back at this moment mm-hmm. and say, Jason Kipnis and Mets fans got them going. Yes. That's what it'll be, right? Yeah, it'll, it'll be, be acceptance. Kipnis will be riding down. I'll be in the parade. Fifth Avenue in the parade holding the commissioner's trophy over his head, proud. We'll have the make glasses it, make it on. One, make, it, make it one block before a beer bottle gets thrown in my head. <laughs> Give, him the mic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give him the mic. Give him the mic. It'll be like, Mets fans, we did it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for your support. Yeah. What a fucking run, guys. Oh. Uh, Phillies fans are good, though. Kratzy, how are they? Oh, man, they are. One thing, one thing that's great about Phillies fans on, on uh, especially on talk radio, is they call in and they they've traded everybody on the team, and they've broken the team down three times already this year. Bryce Harper, they traded him for just to get rid of his salary, so he's not what they called an albatross on the team. Kyle Schwarber, nobody cares that he hit fifty million home runs last year. It is. Philly fans, Philly fans are very, very fickle when it comes to their team. But I think it was John Cruck that said it. He said, I'm quoting John Cruck, so we're really going deep on the show today. He said, nobody boos louder than Philly fans, but nobody cheers louder than them too. So Philly fans are unbelievably passionate in both ways for their team. On that note, Let's charge the damn mound presented by Tyrus Baseball. Let's get into Braves fans and Dodger fans to an extent. So the Freddie Freeman Revenge Tour 2.0 still exists uh, a year after dealing with coming back and the tears and all of that. Now he just comes back and rakes. Well, he faced Charlie Morton. What was he, 6 for 12 with two homers, two doubles? We were all over that yesterday. Actually, Cody was. Cody was. was We we followed it, though. Yeah. 
plus he, 500 for a homer. And he homered. Big three-run homer, 8-6 yeah. win. J.D. Martinez actually technically stole the show. Four hits, two homers. But the Braves have lost 7 of 11. The Dodgers continue to play really well despite you know, not having a Dodger offseason and also pitching-wise, as we spoke to Max Muncy about yesterday, they're down quite a few pitchers right now, and they just keep chugging along. Well, that's the thing for me with the Braves. Their pitching is banged up. They're starting pitching. I know they threw Morton. He pitched okay, Mm -hmm. but Freed's out. Soroka hasn't come back. Kyle Wright's out. It's like a a mash unit of starters. And when I did the game on Saturday, they used a bullpen day. And they've done that. Like They're trying to do bullpen days like two out of five days in the rotation. And good teams don't do that. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Braves. They If they get their guys back, they go out and make a move. Uh, but the Dodgers, man, they just keep plugging away. It's amazing. No matter who they put in the lineup or who they put on the mound, they just plug away. So, Kratz, did you see Marcel Azuna's backswing smash Will Smith? And then Will was like, dude, enough. You've done this before. You remember the guys. Like, anybody gets hit in the head, next time you bang your head on a cabinet, like, think about how you feel, and then think about it being a bat when you're trying to do something at an elite level. Like, it just is, it's infuriating when you get hit on the head. Yes, you know, it looked like he kind of looked back and, like, felt bad. He does always do it. He is, I mean, he has a long, long backswing. I don't know if he ever got me in the head. But I remember he got me in the in the forearm. But there's other guys that do it too. The story the story that comes to my mind is when I was playing with the Brewers, and we were playing the Cubs, and Javi Baez was he was notorious for it. And I think it was Jolice Chassin was pitching, and he got to 3-0, and he turns turns around, he turns back, and he goes, "Hey, he goes, move back a little bit. I'm going to swing really hard right here." And I'm like, what? It was 3-0, and he, was, he told me he was going to hack, and he was afraid he was going to hit me. Sure enough, he hacked, came back, struck him out, but oh my gosh. I've never been warned I was going to get hit in the middle of an at-bat. Wow. Well, kind of appreciate the heads up, though. Absolutely. And that he's going to be swinging 3-0. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Did you go 3-0 slide piece, little cutter? From 100%. Shishin? Yeah. Good, good call. So my, my backswing story is I got I went from the White Sox to the Rangers in 2013. Alexi Ramirez was notorious for smacking the catcher when he finished. So in spring training, we're playing him, and he hits me. And I, I grab his bat, and I hand it to him. I said, if you fucking do that again, I'm going to break your bat over my knee. Don't hit me with your bat again. He never came close again. So don't tell me you can't control it. I told him, I said, you do this, I'm going to break it over my knee right here, and I'm going to hand it to you in two pieces. Don't hit me again. Did he say sorry? Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I'm like, I know you can control it, so stop. And he never came close to hit me again. So then what's the deal with Azuna? I don't know. He's Maybe a no repeat one's ever offender. Repeat offender. No one's ever said to him, right. break your bat over my Someone knee. Someone just did now. Will Smith was like, dude, enough. Yep, and he didn't hit him again. Right. So that was the warning, the public warning. Once yeah. is an accident or something like that, but he said it was fifth time or something that he's been hit by him. That's I think he was quoted saying it's like his fifth time. He, yep. he ain't doing it on purpose, but you can, no, cut, no. you can cut it off, right? Like sure. you don't have to finish all the way to where you hit a guy. I mean, you can you can cut it off as a, as a player. Plus, if you're a catcher, it might help you out down the road where the guy's thinking about his backswing instead of hitting the ball. Right. So there's games. And, and those two could be meeting up in – the playoffs at some point. Plus, as Kratz said, that stuff hurts, man. I don't care. You got a helmet on. That stuff hurts. <laughs> Whack. <laughs> That's why it you got to point the bat point the bat at them, clear some space before the pitch even comes. <laughs> <laughs> you Let them know. Zone. Yeah. Hey, let's let's move to Seattle. So, I mean, they destroyed the A's. No surprise there. But Luis Castillo picks up his 1,000th career strikeout, six shutout innings for him, and I just think the larger. AL West conversation, and hey, Angels fans were pissed about this too because Cody Decker was giving the Mariners a little love yesterday, and we posted that, and they're like, oh, Mariners? Like, Angels fans are laughing at Mariners fans right now? So, yeah, I'm on fire today. But uh, for Seattle, I mean, I think this is a team that's underperformed, but I think definitely a playoff-relevant team, and 
Castillo, obviously, in that rotation, among many other very effective starters that could be top of the rotation guys, Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, and the offense hasn't really gotten going. And then, I mean, a good cure is taking on the Oakland A's. Kellenic had a big day. And Julio Rodriguez has been kind of quiet this year, he's too. Been, he's been down. Yeah. Down. What's up with him? Man, I, I, mean, I had their game on Saturday, and he talked to everybody, talked to Scott Service, and they're like, oh, he's close. He's close. But what I what I gathered is, and, and Kip and, and Kratzy, I think you, you, know, you guys would understand this. Not Scott, because he didn't play. He doesn't understand this. I don't know shit. <laughs> so, so when you're Julio Rodriguez, how many times have you seen a guy come up and they're a superstar or they everyone thinks they're going to be a superstar and they had their great first year. He won rookie of the year and he signed a huge contract and he was the face of Seattle baseball. And then you go into that off season and you say, I'm not going to change, but you change because it's just human nature. And then the second year is a struggle, at least to start because there's pressure, there's expectations, there's all these things. And you have so many obligations to do. Every commercial you turn on for Major League Baseball, guess who's in it? Julio Rodriguez. So there's it changes you. And I don't care. You can be the greatest person in the world. You're going to change. And I think he's got caught up in that a little bit. He's still taking walks. He's still got some homers. He's, he's hitting like 210-ish around there. Yeah, so he's not – his OPS is down. It's just not the same Julio, free-loving, fun, just go play. And I think he gets caught up with people. And, and I think Julio is in the middle of it right now. I think the game, the game kind of adjusts to you, and then you kind of have to adjust back to the game. Also, I think what didn't change was maybe his offseason after a good year. He probably went into that offseason trying to get better, and then after the good year, he went into the offseason just trying to do the same thing. I think each offseason you have to keep trying to push yourself to get better, not kind of just recreate what you just did that last year. Like, oh, it worked. I don't want to change a thing. No, you. what worked was you pushing yourself to get the best out of you, and I think – you keep that as your offseason goal. That's how you keep pushing yourself to be better. I don't know how to be as good as Julio, but I know the fact that he's freaking 22 years old still. Yeah. And I think we put like guys, like AJ said, that guys are that are on like covers of things and commercials and everywhere. We put those guys on this lofty pedestal of, well, he's just going to go out and do it. He's just going to go out and have an 830 OPS again. He's going to go out and play gold glove center field. Like, he's still making adjustments. Like, from 21 to 22, I grew another inch. Like, th th these guys are – he is super young. Like, in no way should anybody be worried about this guy. But I think he's got to find his new norm. Like AJ said, like, you don't want to change. You have to change. Way more is expected of you before you are a top prospect. Maybe Jonathan Mayo and J.J. Cooper were talking about you and interviewing you. Maybe the Mariners were like, oh, we can't wait. Come to our Winterfest. Now he's the headliner of the Winterfest. Now he's got six reporters at his – well, maybe not in Seattle, but six reporters at his, at his locker when they come in to you know, play New York. There's, there's just more on. So to say, oh, I don't want to change – you have to change. You got to adapt. And I mean, he's young. No, no, he is. But just think about what's been put on him at 22 years old. Mm -hmm. There's very few guys, Bryce Harper, Trout, that handle it and keep. Even Harper had some. Don't forget, Harper, Harper had, some, had some down, yeah. right? Yeah. Trout's probably the only guy. Even look at Trout, Soto. Soto got some sent down, down, didn't he? Yeah, when yeah. he first came up, is the first year. Yeah. But mm -hmm. but but Soto's had some down. He's young, right? Mm -hmm. Twenty four. Yep. So it's it's really hard <laughs> to jump in at twenty two years old, and again, tops. I've seen tops commercials. I've seen fantasy commercials. You yes. see major league baseball commercials. Uh, I think there's a Dairy Queen commercial. There's all these commercials, yeah. he's, he's and he's everywhere. Yep. And so now, guess what? He's thinking, I got to live up to this, and he. He will over time, but right now he's thinking, gosh, I got to do more than what I did. <laughs> no, just to go try to do the same thing. And to Kip's point, you don't have to – yeah, you, you work on things to get better and better and better. But what he was doing, you do the same stuff, but because your offseason becomes so much more than just about getting focused on trying to make the team and just trying to help them win, all of a sudden you're like, man, I'm a star. I got to make this person happy and this person happy when you're not focused on yourself. And that's where it catches up. And you get older, you learn. 
to say no and you learn to to do things differently but man he's young for all this stuff to be thrown on him yeah and they've given him a pretty good team support wise especially but he doesn't feel that because he's the one doing the commercials yeah he's the one with all the attention Mm -hmm. also i will say this because i i really like him and his hit tool ty france has struggled true that's a guy who got two last homers. year was all-star caliber. Two? He had two on Saturday. In. Right. You're saying two total? He had two on Saturday when I, we did the I game. understand. But his, he had 20-some last year. His numbers since like June of last year, a couple people posted it, are, are not great. So just throwing that out there too. Um, but he has Kelnick. Kelnick's killing Kelnick it. Kelnick is killing it. Yeah, and he had a big it. game yesterday. Yeah, so – it, no, I, I think and, – and Teoscar Hernandez was a nice pickup in the offseason. And, and he's generally he's a streaky okay. – Yeah, I mean, he's a streaky hitter. You know, he's going to have like that big – Gino Suarez is not having a great year. Here. Although he did smash a ball on Saturday. Ma- Matthew slow. Pulio um, tweeted this out of two days ago. Ty France since last June, 241 average, 303 on base, 384 slug. That's not Ty France, or at least I not hope it's not. I they hope it's not. I hope right. it's not. Yeah. So, He's there, better than that. There's some underperforming going on there. Well, my hey. thing would my thing would be who do they have? Who do they have that Julio can be like? Hey, how did you go through this? Or like somebody that can come up to him and be like, Oh, I I went through this when I was a superstar. I'm not saying I'm not saying those people are just plethora. You're just picking them off the minor league heap to give them a job, but like a coach, a somebody like. How was it to be the superstar, the face? You know, here's can, the thing: can Griffey help him? Uh, Griffey's not around. Cameron, Mike Cameron was there on Saturday helping him. Maybe he's a guy, uh, but they don't have. If you look at their coaching staff, they don't have like a real veteran guy, a name. They have guys that obviously have been around, but they don't have that name guy. Um, I guess Colton Wong would be maybe the one veteran guy they have on their team that, but he's lost his job to Caballero at second base. Um, JP Crawford, maybe when, with his Philly time. Uh, but nobody else they really have is that true veteran presence that can say, man, I went through something like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, Griffey never struggled. What's Griffey going to tell him? <laughs> Griffey's sure. like, turn your head around backward and hit homers. I'm sure you had a, you know, a bad month here and there. <laughs> All right, find one. <laughs> yeah. Right, find one. Later in his career. Late, well, yeah, but not at 21 years old. No. No. He was coming up hitting back-to-back dingers with his dad. Yeah, that's not a great example to turn to. No. I, maybe Cameron. Mike Cameron's around. He's a really good yeah. dude. Mm-hmm. He helps him. That's true. All right, one more before we get to Gavin Sheets. So, did you see what Andrew McCutcheon said about the way that the bases are being blocked? So, he said he thinks infielders are actually blocking the bag with their bodies more often. And that... I'll give you the quote. He goes, it's inevitable that someone is going to get hurt. And this was in the athletic Rob fear temple did a great job. Kutch goes on to say, the only thing we can do is slide cleats first and possibly injure the fielder or injure both of us. If MLB is all about preventing injuries, like they do at the plate with the catcher, why isn't there a rule that says if you're receiving the ball on a steal attempt, you can't block the base. And then later said, it seems like something really bad has to happen before a rule change that makes perfect sense can take place. Well, that always goes to, there's a couple theories here. First off, one of my favorites, very reactive league, not a proactive league. And then Kratz, we've talked about this with a few different hosts that have rotated through this show saying, well, just slide feet first. But Kutch is kind of going back against that being like, yeah, I can even get hurt doing that. Yeah, they both can. I mean, he didn't just say, well, I can still get hurt doing that. He's just, he's saying they can get hurt. The Mm -hmm. fielder, middle infielders like Kip can get hurt. unfortunately, I think this would be more of Kip's area. Like as far as the catcher go, like I'm trying, I'm trying to get any advantage I can. And if, if my shortstop or second baseman is okay, putting a knee down there to block it and maybe getting a cleat in it, I'm fine with it because I mean, dudes are just, they're running all over the place right now. So there's need something to stop them. I think until it gets really called, they're going to keep doing it too. I mean, they're going to try to get the out. They're going to get in front of the bag. Um, but there's cause and effect. If you start going in, like we talked about this before the show, if you go in with your spikes and get them one time, they might stop doing that. I don't know if it needs to be policed as much or a rule change, but 
guys guys are just trying to get to the out and they they know how to live in that kind of gray area of the rules um so they'll time it well they're good enough athletes up the middle they'll time it well to kind of get that body in front of the back to where you're gonna have to go around and because of that you're gonna be out and you can't really swim with all the time and the only way to kind of counter that is maybe going in feet first which also is a slower method than the head first slide i think going into second um so it's hard it's hard to really police that because guys aren't gonna stop it until it's called but there are ways where the game can kind of manage itself and police itself and i think a, a cleat first spike i'm not advocating for something like that but there are ways to get guys to change well there's two ways one if you catch a guy doing it you drill him say hey don't drop your knee or two, you go cleat first. The problem is everyone wears plastics now. A lot of guys wear plastic spikes, so they're they're the guys like okay, might get a little 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 sore there, but go on with some metal spikes into someone's knee or into someone's shin. Guess what they're doing next time? They ain't putting their knee down. So, I mean, as much as we want to say that, and I'm not advocating again for anybody to get hurt, but you knew though. We used to know. All right, this guy drops his knee, slide feet first. And guess what? The dude stopped putting his knee down there when we play him. So you need more enforcers? I don't know about more, enforcers. More Ty, just... more Ty Cobbs sharpening their cleats. Yeah, there you go. Take, <laughs> take out the little file. And... Did you wear metals or uh, plastics? Both of you guys. I wore plastics. I wore metals. I wore metals. I could never wear plastics. I felt like I was sliding. Well, if you're not fast, you can wear plastic. <laughs> <laughs> what are the pros and cons? Well, I wore plastic because my feet. Um my, my feet were, uh, when I was young, I, I, I slid, I wore metal when I first came up and I slid and I caught the bottom spike on uh, first base. I slid into first feet first because it was a close play and I, and I hurt my ankle. So I was like, I'm not wearing those anymore. And then Nike made cleats that were so damn comfortable with mm. plastics. It was like, like slippers. Why would I go to, why would I wear back metal where the ball of my feet you're squatting on for four hours like this and it's digging right into the ball of your foot. Why would I wear that when I had this nice cushy plastic spike? And I was like, I was stealing bases or running around fast. New Balance made really comfortable cleats that helped your feet. Not, not just, I wasn't just selling out for the money like AJ was for the, <laughs> Nike, for the Nike contract. But I could never wear, I, I wore plastics one time and it was in a spring training game. I'm like, oh, everybody says your feet are comfortable. I never had any problem with my feet. I ran, I hit a double, and I remember thinking on the way to second base, I'm like, I'm never taking plastics off again. I'm never taking moldeds off. I go to stop on second base. It wasn't even like it wasn't even a play. It was just a stop on second base. Stepped on top, slid off the back, rolled my ankle. Never wearing plastics again. Because <laughs> you're unathletic. I, I'm not <laughs> denying that. <laughs> no, it's good. Um, Worth the discussion, though. I mean, yeah, the league did make adjustments to home plate, to second base, second base. They I'm won't. Man, the good old days. They won't do it. <laughs> Cutch is right. They won't do it until someone gets hurt. And then they'll do it. But it's got to be. It's got to be someone big, though. It can't just be. Yep. Really? So, if an unknown or lesser known player. <clears throat> Like absolutely gets shredded from something. You don't think that it warrants enough attention? It'll no? take Top that Buster Posey. That Buster yeah. Posey. Mm-hmm. Buster Posey got hurt. They changed the rule. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ruben Tejada got hurt for the Mets. For the Mets in a playoff game. Oh, here we go with your, in a your, playoff you have game. So much New York bias. Uh, big stage. <laughs> he knows where the money is. You think you think that didn't matter? If, and, if Ruben Tejada played, and who else was involved? Chase Utley. Right, that's a big But game. if Ruben Tejada played for the, what was this? This was 2016. Let's say the the Braves, the team I was on, they lost 100 games. Think they would have cared? They're like, yeah, get out of the way, dude. But because it was a playoff game, because he played for the Mets, Chase Utley with the Dodgers, breaks Jerry his leg Collins. on national television, guess what? We're changing the rule. Mm-hmm. Buster Posey breaks his ankle. Think if think if Eric Kratz gets run over at home plate by Scott Cousins, they change the rule. They're like, "Hey, Kratz, sorry, dude, but be better at blocking the plate." Yep. 100%. Me too. If it was me, they'd be like, "Yeah, who cares? Be better." No, you don't think your AJ Pruszynski rule status? No, I got run over lots of times. They didn't change the rules. They encouraged it more. They were like, "Hit him, hit him hard." <laughs> uh, true. All right, good stuff. Um, 
that's it for uh, Charge the Mound. Shop at tirespaceball.com where you'll find high-quality tires, maple bats, pine tar grip sticks, rosin bags, and other accessories. The pros know Tyrus. Do you? And if you need to learn how to do it, watch my video. That's true. The demo. Yeah. It's very well done. We have another one coming soon, I believe, either, I think, later this week. From who? Kratz. Oh, Kratz did one? Yeah. Mine's way, sh- mine's way shorter. I did the stick. There wasn't as oh, much. Jeez. There wasn't as much, like, glam as yours. You had, like, two cameras. I just came like, out for the boys. That's it. It's just, like glitter and streamers dropping from yeah. the sky. Like, and boom, that's it. That's your demo, folks. Well, I mean, if you have a stick where as opposed to, uh, you know, thick and sticky versus regular pine tar versus <laughs> this pine tar, and then you got to use rosin, and then you got to – I mean, I had to do the whole thing. You had it all. Mine, yeah. stick – Dingers. That's it. I had to bring in models. I brought in models. I brought in uh, my son Austin and Thomas Aki, another kid on the team, to to model the bats. I mean, there was a there was a whole lot of work going on. <laughs> check out their PG. Catch up. Check out their PG websites, guys. PG websites. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Perfect game. Here we go. <laughs> hey, let's bring in our next guest right now, Zach Buchanan, who writes for the Athletic, covering the Arizona Diamondbacks. Joining us right now, Zach, great to have you on. And for you, I mean, now we're getting towards the end of May. Cheers to you covering a team that's, I would say, performing better than your expectations. I'm just going to throw that out there as a wild guess. Uh, A little bit better. I mean, I expected them to be competitive. I don't know if I expected them to be, you know, running as well as they have been. Um, so a, a lot of things have seemed to break right um, in their direction. But, uh, yeah, it, it, they've been a fun team to watch for sure. Well, Zach, before we go into this, we dig into this interview, why the heck do you have uh, Nolan Ryan beating the crap out of Robin Ventura <laughs> over your shoulder? Uh, so I grew up in Dallas, and my, uh, my dad does a charity event every year where they have like a silent auction. They have a speed painter come out and paint things that people bid on. And uh, this is one of the ones that they did, I think, when they, they honored Eric Nadell, who's the radio voice of the Rangers. And my dad got it for me for, uh, I think, Christmas or something one year or so. But uh, I grew up a big Rangers fan going to the ballpark in Arlington. Do you realize that Nolan Ryan came out of there more bloody than Ventura, though? Like, are you aware that, like, that's just a portion of the fight that I think Ryan actually got beat up also? Uh, sure. I also know that Nolan Ryan was, like, 46 or something. So, you know, <laughs> to hold his own is uh, pretty impressive uh, to get it, to walk away from that, I guess. Um, but, yeah, so. No, my buddy had the – remember the Nolan Ryan bloody lip game where he bloodied his lip and it was all – my a buddy of mine – had the jersey. He, his parents were big Ranger fans. They bought the bloody jersey, and he had it in his house when I was growing up. That's awesome. The, the, the Nolan Ryan bloody lip game, mm-hmm. where he, I don't know how he got the bloody lip. I think it was Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson, maybe. Yeah, it was. I actually just watched that documentary on Netflix about him. Man. It was like I think it was almost kind of a routine ground ball that just kind of clipped him. Yeah. So, so Zach, we'll go to the ball club second. I want to start with your fresh article on Madison Bumgarner's divorce with the ball club. And it's called Behind the Scenes of Madison Bumgarner's Struggles with the Diamondbacks. So he was recently let go by the club. I mean, they had high expectations, signed him to a big deal several years ago. And numbers-wise, clearly it didn't work out. You saw bits and pieces of issues, and they would be talked about, but you really took us behind the scenes. So can you run through a little bit chronologically what went down, including, I mean, I didn't know, like reporting to camp according to the team out of shape and then uh, bickering with Dan Harron. So you can tell it better than I can. Yeah. So so this article is, um, was the result of maybe a month of reporting, but also just kind of the stuff I'd been hearing for the last several years um, at different points in time. And that, that, you know, it, it did kind of start with, um, summer camp, which was admittedly a weird situation for everybody. You know, everybody's at home. They're trying to stay in shape. They don't know when things are going to start up again. But it was notable that pretty much every other pitcher came back into summer camp for the Diamondbacks um, ready to go. And Madison was not ready to go. And it was noticeable. Um, His velocity wasn't there. He looked a little heavier than he had been in spring training. Um, And we saw how that season went. I mean, his his fastball didn't average 89 miles per hour that year, which is I think three or four ticks below his career average. Uh, it was God awful. He dealt with um, 
dealt with an injury that year. I think he, you know, we were all doing Zoom media availability at the time, but I remember he ducked out on his uh, post-game media after throwing opening day, which was not a great sign. So um, it, you know, kind of unique circumstances, certainly, but it, you know, it, it wasn't great that they couldn't get a hold of him during the shutdown, that um, that he didn't come back ready to go. Um, and, you know, that season went poorly. The next season went poorly. Uh, Matt Hurgis, who was the pitching coach, who had been with Bumgarner in San Francisco the previous few years, got reassigned after 2021 when they lost 110 games. And then in comes Brent Strom, who is, you know, Mr. Uh, Premier Pitching Coach. He, you know, he's the guy that got an extra gear out of Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander and all these guys in Houston. Um, Madison had very nice things to say about him their first spring together. But by the middle of, of Strom's first season with the club last year, that, that relationship had kind of broke down. Like Brent is a very hands-on pitching coach. He, he likes to make a ton of suggestions. He feels very strongly about things. Um, he comes from a very data-driven approach. And he, along with a lot of other people with the Dimebacks, felt that Madison simply needed to change the way he did things if he was going to remain effective. His command had been lagging. His arm was late in his delivery. Um, he didn't have as much zip behind the ball. And so they wanted to make some mechanical changes to try and uh, get his his timing a little better. They wanted to make a lot of pitch mix changes. So, you know, Madison's pitch was always the cutter. Uh, and they wanted him to really sunset that pitch to a certain extent, throw more curveballs, more changeups, and really just remake who he was as a pitcher. And I, I think Madison was just constitutionally um, uncomfortable with the idea of doing that and, and having to make these changes and really – change the, the guy he always had been the guy who had been so successful for so long in San Francisco and he would try things, but he wouldn't really stick with them long enough to, to see if they would really work or not. Um, and at certain points and including toward the end, the, the Dimebacks should say, look, you feel so strongly about doing it this way, do it this way. That's fine. And, you know, we all see how that worked out. The Dimebacks feel like they got fleeced on signing him. Cause you know, you do your, you do your research into a guy do they feel like they got the guy that they thought they were going to get? Obviously not numbers wise, but the person. Uh, I, to a certain extent, I don't think they did. I, I'm not sure that they would, you know, blow up Madison personally on a personal level. Um, but I, I think they, you know, they, they had just had Zach Grinky, who was the epitome of the guy who reinvents himself. And for all of Grinky's oddities, um, he, his teammates really liked him and, and Madison's teammates liked him too, but Grinky was forward thinking. He, he would always be looking for that edge. He would uh, bring the young players along and set good examples. Um, and with Madison, I would hear things, you know, sometimes about him, you know, being late to one of his bullpen sessions or being the first guy out of the clubhouse after a game, that kind of thing. Just things that, you know, he'd done, I'm sure for years in San Francisco. And because he was Madison F and Bumgarner, you know, no one was going to call him to the carpet. Um, but when things weren't going well, you know, the Diamondbacks would be like, man, I hope our young pitchers don't get the message that this kind of stuff is, is OK. Um, and, you know, that's small potato stuff for the most part. But they, they did not get the guy that they thought was going to kind of help bring these younger pitchers along and really kind of show them how to get how to get the job done in the big leagues. They hoped they would have that kind of veteran influence. And he, he wasn't really that guy. Did it strike you more as like a, a stubbornness to change or an unwillingness to maybe accept that his stuff wasn't the same that it was in San Francisco? Like, Yeah, I, I think it's probably closer to the, to the latter. Um, I, I don't think that Madison was just stubborn to change just because he's stubborn. I know he has that kind of persona, but I think it is very tied up with this had always worked. It had worked for years and years and years. It worked for three World Series. Um, and, and I'm sure that's hard. You guys would know better than I would that to, to confront that point in your career where, uh, your results in your body are, are telling it, look, what has always worked is just not working anymore. And so I think it, that was the thing for him. He just had trouble ex recognizing that he was at that point that he needed to make major changes. Um, and I think if, if, uh, if he had kind of been able to wrap his mind around that, you know, maybe he, he sticks with some of these alterations a little longer and he does kind of find that second gear and you know it's not over for him he's only 33 maybe he gets to that point in the future and makes a has kind of a career renaissance which would be great to see but with the Diamondbacks it just wasn't the case do you think the Diamondbacks are legit I mean you look at the run differential here you look at what they're trying to chase 
do they have enough to chase the Dodgers down? And if not, do they have enough to get a wild card spot, get one of the three wild card spots? I think they definitely have enough to get one of the three wild card spots. You know, it's an interesting situation with the Dodgers, right? Um, most years with the Dodgers, I would have been like, no, I don't think they have a chance to run them down. But th- this is a kind of a different vibe of a Dodgers team. Um, they don't really have an everyday shortstop. They're dealing with a million pitching injuries. They they kind of sat out the winter, right? I don't think they're as big of a juggernaut as they used to be. Uh, clearly, they still have a ton of good players. They've got how many, I don't know, former MVPs. James Altman's having a great year. They've got one of the best farm systems in baseball with a lot of guys who are, are coming up and ready to contribute. Um, I, I would still probably bet on the Dodgers to win the division, but uh, it's close enough now that I don't think you could count the Diamondbacks out. As for whether the Diamondbacks are for real, I think for the most part, yeah, uh, they have some obvious weak spots. Like the bullpen is better than it was a year ago when it was maybe the worst bullpen in baseball, but it's still kind of a soft bullpen. Some of those roles and, and relievers haven't really settled in. And then the, the back three spots of the rotation are Tommy Henry, who just barely passed uh, his rookie eligibility requirements last season. And then Brandon Fott and Ryan Nelson, who are both rookies. And that's just a lot of inexperience to have for 60% of your rotation. And all three of those guys have had outings where they have pitched well. All three of them have had outings where they've just gotten their teeth kicked in. Um, I, I would be surprised if we're getting, if these guys are still in the mix in, in late July, if they don't go out and, and acquire a starter. And they also have Zach Davies, who's working his way back from an injury. He should be maybe back in a week or so. Um, and so they need to figure that out. They need probably need to add a reliever. The offense is going pretty great right now. Corbin Carroll is having an amazing season. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. has found a whole nother level and might be the best player that, uh, at least for this season, that was in that Dalton Varsho trade. Um, so I think they're pretty legit. I think they're a good team. Interesting, though, Zach. You started with the Dodgers. You didn't start with the Diamondbacks. You said, well, this is why the Dodgers aren't the Dodgers. So that tells me, deep down, the Dodgers are better than you're giving them credit for. Because anytime you ask, like, if I'm asking Scott a question about, like, going clubbing, if he's like, well, you know, I'd rather do this and that. No, but I'm serious. Like, (laughs) he should have started with, when Kratz asked him, are the Diamondbacks legit? He should have said yes because of this. But instead he's like, well, the Dodgers aren't as good. So maybe we have I was was answering the question of will they catch the Dodgers? Because that was also asked. Okay. And I'm I'm kind of of the mind that until the Dodgers don't win the division, it's the Dodgers division. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. See? They have very much earned that right, the Dodgers. They win the division every year except for a couple seasons ago with San Francisco. But I thought he was going to start with – well, the Diamondbacks have Corbin Carroll. They have Lourdes Scoriel. Jack Gallon's been good. Merrill Kelly's been to good. Andrew Che, you know, no, 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 whoever that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but he, sh- a bit, but you should give credit to the Dodgers. That's yeah, the way to do start it. Start with your own. If you believe it, you start with your own team. You don't. You don't. He's start. a reporter. He doesn't work for the team. He doesn't give a shit. Yeah, but he covers the Diamondbacks. Okay, um, I mean, he wants him to do well because, as we've talked about, nope. reporters want their no, team to do well. Absolute hogwash, <laughs> always. So let me ask you this: payroll wise. Where are we at? I've been looking at previous payrolls. It seems like at least for the last four or five years, um, they're still hovering in a similar range. But I think, I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, they've shown the ability to be closer to the upper half of the league in the past, but it's been a minute. Are they a little bit gun shy because of a signing like Bumgarner not working out for them when they're trying to push the pedal to the metal? This to me would seem like somewhat of an open lane to be like, hey, let's get after it a little bit more. So wanted to get your take. Like, is the team not making as much money? Because generally, payroll should keep going up for a franchise like this, correct? Yes. I, I think that the team would tell you, and I, you know, they never open their books. We don't know if it's true, that the pandemic hit them kind of hard. Um, you know, the, Phoenix is a weird town. Uh, there aren't a lot of diehard fans here. It, getting people to come to the ballpark is really dependent on um, how the team is doing. And also it, kind of an X factor, you know, the, the roof is broken. Uh, and so they can't have it open in the middle of the summer for f- fireworks on Fridays, which affects attendance a little bit. It's taken a while to get it fixed. Um, but I, I do think that there is some room to add at the deadline. Um, I don't think they're like at the, their limit. And they did up their payroll this season compared to previous seasons. Um, I don't think they make a move like getting uh, cutting Bumgarner 
uh, if they were kind of at their limit of what they could add. I, because, you know, the money for this year, Bumgarner's already spent, but the money for next year is not. And if they were feeling like, you know, okay, this is our payroll limit. We're not going to spend more money. Maybe there's an argument, a small one, for carrying him on next season and just seeing if you can get anything out of that investment. Um, but, you know, they've they've essentially written that money off for next year. Um, I, I, I would, would be surprised if, if, if this team contends, I would be surprised if they don't up payroll next year and make some more additions. Because if you look at where they are, their farm system is starting to pay off with all these young major, major leaguers. The core is young. It's ready to win. And they're going to need to make some additions to keep pace with juggernauts like the Dodgers and the Padres, who are going to outspend them pretty much every year, no matter what. Um, so I, I don't know if I see them kind of getting into the, like the top 10 payroll teams in the league. I, I don't, I'm not sure that's ever happened outside of when they first put the team together and spent all this money, to get Randy Johnson and, and Matt Williams and, and Mark Grace and all those guys, um, a bunch of moves that kind of put the team into the financial red and forced Jerry Colangelo out of the owner's seat. Um, but I, I do think that they have a history under Mike Hazen with uh, Ken Kendrick running the team of when they are ready to win, they have put a little more money behind payroll and, and spent a little more to make it happen. I think you kind of hinted out what I was going with. I think if they kind of buying their time a little bit, they got the young core, developed the young core, and kind of knowing that this would might be the Dodgers and Padres division for a few years in their window with all the money that they've spent, kind of time it up to where they're ready to spend right when those two teams are kind of coming down and the, the, the payroll and wins. I think that's when yeah. Arizona makes their move the best. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. I don't know if there's ever going to be – like this year might have been the Dodgers' down year, right? Like they didn't spend that much because, you know, we all are expecting they're going to save all their money and throw an ungodly amount of dollars at, at Shohei Otani next winter. But uh, So I, I don't know if you can ever expect the, the Dodgers to kind of like fade away. True. Maybe the Padres. We're all wondering how if the Padres can keep this up year after year after year, just handing out monster contract after monster contract. Um, I, I think if the Diamondbacks make a kind of a payroll move like that, it has to be based purely on where they are. Um, they've locked up Corbin Carroll, but they've got Jordan Lawler coming. They've got Gabriel Moreno already on the team. Um, they've got Drew Jones, you know, a few years after Lawler, probably. They've got a lot of these really like elite level young players. And a big kind of X factor is Zach Gallon. You know, he's in his first year of arbitration eligibility. He's got two more seasons after this one. He's a Scott Boris client. We all know how Scott Boris uh, clients don't tend to sign extensions. They like to hit the open market. But if you plug Zach Gallon off of this team, uh, it's a way different looking team. You know, they're still probably competitive, but he's the guy that makes them look like a playoff team right now. Uh, and if, if you don't have him, uh, Three years from now, uh, and none of these young pitchers have really established themselves as the next Zach Gallon. That's a big hole to fill. You're going to be spending some money to do it, no matter what. So uh, I, I do think that they've got to look at where they are, and you know they've got two and a half more seasons a gallon. Maybe they want to take advantage of that and make a push now. We've got about a minute left. I, I got two things I want to throw at you. One, and, and this is playing off what uh, one of our fans Riley said in the chat: least fan friendly ballpark. Maybe a reason they don't come to games. I mean, I'd beg to differ. I think least is pushing it. There's there's some other pretty shitty ballpark situations. I, I invite Riley to to hit up the trop and check out that freaking facility right now. But anyway, on that point, um, I, I didn't know the roof situation. I, I hadn't seen that. How, how long does it take to fix a roof? And if it's costing you money, shouldn't people be there overnight yeah. getting that thing together? I, you would think so. Yeah, they found it before last season, before the 2022 season, which – one argues like, why are you inspecting it? Like right before the season, why not do it in like October? So you have the whole off season to fix it, but it's a cable that pulls the roof open on one side that is stressed that they are worried that if they open it at full speed, it might snap and kill somebody. Mm. Uh, and so they have to open it at like five times slower speed. So it takes 20 minutes and they can only do it when no fans are in the ballpark. So they, what they used to do, and I actually wrote a story about it a couple of years ago, they have an original song that they would play when the roof opens that like makes it sound super majestic and stuff, and they do it right before first pitch. Um, and so they can't do that anymore. And so in May and in April, they've had it open a lot because they can open it during BP. It doesn't get too hot. But in June and July out here, they're just going to have to have the roof closed. And it's a, a, a much more charmless ballpark when the roof is closed. It's like playing in an airport hangar. When it's open, it actually feels like a baseball stadium. 
Mm-hmm. And last one, there's a lot of chatter right now from our fans about Geraldo Perdomo leading the team with a 161 OPS plus. There's a high batting average on balls in play. They're like, he needs to bat higher in the order and be playing every single day. Yes or no? Uh in between. So they got Nick Ahmed, who's one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball. He's a veteran. He's in the last year of his deal. He has a role in this team. Also, I think if you look at, and I love Geraldo Perdomo. He's one of my guys. Um, but if you look at his, I think, uh, baseball savant page, there's a lot of blue on there. He's not, you know, an exit velocity superstar or something. He's always had a great feel for the strike zone. Uh, just a, really surveys that well, but he's always had trouble putting a charge in the ball. And so there's an argument that he's going to regress a little bit. At some point, I still think he's a really good player, and I'm super pleased to see him having the season he is. It's pretty cool. Um, but, you know, he's not one of these guys that's hammering the ball like an average exit velocity of 95 or something. You know, uh, he's got good back control. It's uh, it's good that he's getting past what, you know, in the past would be called a little bit of passivity at the plate, kind of letting hittable pitches go by because he's being such a perfectionist. But, um, you know, I think he had been batting like ninth for a long time, and I think they've scooted him up and up and up. Um, but I mean, look at the guys ahead of him. Look at Lord Scurriel's doing. Look at what Corbin Carroll's doing. Uh, look at what Christian Walker's doing. Like those guys have uh, a bit of more of a track record, in, including Corbin Carroll for that matter. Um, and I, I wouldn't want to bump them down just to squeeze Perdomo up there. Nailed it. That's good stuff. Hey, Zach, great talking to you. And you can follow him at ZH Buchanan on Twitter. And of course, yeah, check that article out for more info on the Bumgarner situation behind the scenes. Thanks, Zach. Cheers, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Appreciate you. And let's slap hands. Brew Crew Territory uh, was released this morning. We spoke to Kurt Hogue of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel about the team's chances in the division and also if they should be buying or selling. And Corbin Burns, a conversation with him included in there as well on Brew Crew Territory. So you can get that right now wherever you get your podcast. Just type it into Apple, Spotify, whatever. And it is up on YouTube as well. So also Fair Territory is there for you. Ken Rosenthal's weekly show released. You can get it on Apple or Spotify and also on YouTube. So check those out as well if you get a chance. All right. uh, That's it for us. We will see everyone tomorrow as usual, of course, on FT Live. Kip, good to see you, man. Thank you, gentlemen. Until next time. See you soon. Go Kode Senga tonight. He's going to have a great time watching tonight's game. I mean. Congrats, Kevin. Foul Territory fans, listen up. Our friends at BetMGM are running an MLB Bet $10, get $100 instantly promo with the bonus code SPICYMLB. Here's how it works. Sign up and deposit at least $10 into your newly created account. Download the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android. Place a pregame money line wager of at least $10 on any MLB team to win at standard odds price, and you will receive $100 in bonus bets instantly. If you sign up in Massachusetts or Ohio, you receive $200 in bonus bets. Use the bonus code SPICYMLB.